Good evening and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hope everybody's doing well. Man, this side is really full. I like this. This side, you guys aren't. Adam, you need to work a little bit more on this side. This is really good over here. Good to see you guys. How are you? Good? Good, good, good. I know you're not all here for me. You're here for these baptisms. Isn't that awesome? Can we give God just praise? You know, I, I love, that's one of the favorite things I get to do and, and, and as pastor, and, uh, and it's really cool. This has been the year, just so far, we've seen more people baptized in the first four months of this year uh, than we have in any complete year that we've ever had at the church. And uh, so I think it's somewhere around 121 or so far. It's just, it's one of those seasons that you're in. But it's fun to be a part of it. It was also cool with, for me, I'm, I'm standing there and Dylan's next to me, the youth pastor. And, uh, and so we're, we're back there and he's helping me. And, and I'm, before, when you guys are doing the opening song in worship, I'm saying, I remember uh, Landon. I, I married his mom and dad. And, and, uh, and then there was Carter and Stella. And so uh, Danny, before, I, I think he might have been dating uh, at that time, but he was not married. I remember being at the wedding, and, and I just, these kids, like, I mean, it's like, wow, I'm feeling really, really old in this moment. And, uh, but so cool to see just the life cycle of the local church. And nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. And so, again, just very, very, very cool and just very exciting. And so thanks, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and all of you, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody that's here to be a part of this and for the life change. Uh, from adults, men, women, to kids, all the way through. Uh, and you heard it on the screen. We asked them to kind of give an adequate witness of why they're doing what they're doing. And so uh, just, a, just an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Well, I want to get into, the, uh, into this message tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter number 14. Judges chapter number 14. I'm going to get there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen when we get there. Uh, but we, we're talking about the valleys. Uh, and many times we preach about mountaintop experiences. But a lot of character is developed in the valleys. A lot of growth is developed in the valleys. And we don't live in the valleys, but we go through these valleys. And sometimes there are valleys that we can avoid, uh, like the valley of distraction that we talked about last week. Um, sometimes there are valleys like we talked about the first week, this valley of depression. Uh, there are some people that just never will face that. But most people will face down days, sad days, days of depression, uh, maybe not as, as extent to the extent that, that Elijah did in the Old Testament, but being a man of God, being used of God, uh, it just shows you that just because you're in depression doesn't mean that you've sinned or that you're bad or that you're wrong. It just indicates that you're human. And so how do you walk through those valleys? So again, today I want to talk about this valley of, um, of deception because I think this is something that although we don't have to walk through, many of us find ourselves walking through. 
and um, because we, we make choices that get us there. And so when you're talking about deception, I, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about a purchase of something, like you're, you've talked yourself into buying something. I'm going to get there in just a minute. Some of you are like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Or, or it's like may, maybe it's that slice of pie. Come on, I'm just telling them, we're going to get all up in your kitchen today. Uh, or maybe it's, uh, it's just full-blown sin that is just something that's so far, just it is such a clear-cut issue that you violated Scripture to the point that this wasn't a mistake or you missed it. You just sinned in a gross way that you, you know. You don't need anybody to point it out for you. You, you. you know that what you did was just wrong and sinful. And how do you get there? We're, we're going to look at a guy named Samson, who you know most of the story if you were raised in church. If you don't, we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit. But he willfully walks into this valley of deception that ultimately takes his life. And, um, but we've all been there. Because sometimes when we read stories like this in the Old Testament, we kind of think, well, I would never do that. I, that's, that's just too, it's too, it's too much like... Um, uh, how much in your face? That's just too like obvious, and I would never do that. But but we can find ourselves if we're not careful deceiving ourselves, even on things that may not be sinful, but they're not helpful. And because we're, we we know what we should do, but we don't do them. You ever feel yourself like that? Like I know what I should do, but I don't do the things I want to do. I don't do things I do want to do. I don't do anybody. No, most of most of you are lying right now. I can just tell you. So it's just the truth. So I'm going to pick on me because if I start talking about you or I say these, like, let me give you some examples. Somebody's going to think, well, he had pastoral counseling sessions over the last six years, and he just started pulling out notes. And the truth of the matter is that most of all of the stuff that we deal with, first of all, we all deal with a lot of the same junk. But secondly, it's just, it's humanity. It's, read it in Scripture. It's, it's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. And, uh, but for me, uh, Tammy and I were married, been married for several years, uh, youth pastors, and, uh, and I was just firmly convinced that I wanted to, uh, we, had, we were completely debt-free, and that was kind of a whole journey in walking through that, because I called my dad and just, hey, dad, here's what's going on, and basically, will you give me a loan, in which he said, no, you found yourself in this mess, so you can get yourself out of this mess, which was the best advice he's ever given me, because quite frankly, I don't think besides gifts, Tammy, we, our parents have really given us much of anything since we were married. Because your dad looked at me and said, if you ever get yourself in trouble, don't call me. That, that was my conversation with my father-in-law. I asked to marry Tammy, and he said, if you ever need finances, don't call me. I looked at my mother-in-law. She said, that's right. I looked at Tammy. She went like this. <laughs> you know, you get out there, you need a place to live. You're not coming here to live. And my mother-in-law said, that's right. And Tammy went, I mean, it's just kind of the way it was. And so, uh, so I think my dad on our first house gave us 500 bucks because I had to have that in the bank account. You know how you're doing those, you're, you're buying a house, and you got to have so much money in the account that shows you can do some things. And and I was like, I had leveraged everything that I had. I had pulled off paying every bill, right, except for to get all of the, my down payment and everything there to get the first house. And, and I needed 500 bucks. And so uh, my dad lent me 500 bucks for 45 days. I could put it in the account. Then I gave it back to him. I'm surprised he didn't charge me interest. But anyhow, so... I, we were completely debt-free. We're doing this, and I, I want a new car. Now, I'm driving this, this Dodge Daytona. It was Tammy's car. It was baby blue interior. Are you working with me at all? Two-door. Crank windows. Remember those doors? They were like, what, like 5,000 pounds a piece? Seriously, you know? And, and so then the headliner had all dropped down, so I had bobby pins trying to pin it up. The air conditioner was gone. And so, and we're, we're in Oklahoma, and it's hot, 
Like this past week when there was snow on the ground and it was snowing, I had a buddy call me and say, it's about 82 right now. It's a little, I'm actually sweating, Aaron, if I'm really going to be honest with you. And I just said, shut up. And so, so I mean, it's this kind of a deal. And, you know, the, it's, there was a cassette deck player in it, but it didn't work. You know, it's a manual transmission. Uh, and the, uh, the muffler was gone on it. And I refused to put any money into it. So it sounded like I was like, I was like Tokyo Drift before Tokyo had a drift. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's kind of how it was. And, and, and I am firmly convinced I need a new vehicle. So I start going down this path, and, and, and I just said, I, I, I want a different vehicle. I, I began to, I, I'm tired of driving this. I want this. And then I got to this, you know, I deserve a new vehicle. Have you ever talked yourself into doing this? No? Yes, you have. And, and, then, and then I can handle a new vehicle. And, and, of course, I'm pleading my case to Tammy, right? Tammy, I've been driving this. I've been faithful to do this. And, 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 and I know you've got a, a, a new car and that we're both paying for, and, and, but, but I need this. And, and if I could just have this. And, and, of course, I've been driving by car lots. I've been looking. This is, you know, the Internet was just kind of new at that point. People really weren't shopping much online. And, and so... I had firmly convinced myself that I needed this S10 Chevy extended cab, four-wheel drive, yes, all, all black, yes, uh, 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 truck, and, uh, and I, had, I had worked the deal. I, I love working car deals. Like, like when I get done at a car lot, George Matthews over here is a GM at, uh, at Rustero Honda. He's like, pastor. Can I just tell you, like, at the end of this, you made $11.35 off me. How do you expect me to, to bring any tithes to the church? I said, I expect you to give a dollar and three cents is what I expect. And I'm going to ask Ryan if it comes in. If it doesn't, we're going to have a conversation. That's what I expect. I mean, like, I just, I love the deal making. And so I, I've made this deal, and I have talked every, and I remember Tammy saying, if you think this is something that you need, if you think this is something that you should get, then go ahead and do it. Don't you hate when your wife does that? It's like, hey, do whatever you want to do. Just if, that, if God tells you that's what we're supposed to do, then that's fine. No pressure. Like if it's not, like the earth is going to open up and swallow you whole is what you feel like. And so I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, hey, I, 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 I need this and I deserve this and I'm tired of driving this Dodge Daytona and I can handle this new payment. And, and so I allowed myself to kind of get into this valley of deception. We all do that from time to time, where we, we, we are in a situation, and maybe you've really lost a lot of weight, and all of a sudden there's this slice of pie or this favorite dessert or whatever. Forget the fact that it's 1,800 calories. Yes, I understand. And, uh, or, or, or you've been doing this for a while, and you think you need to be rewarded this way, or, or you find yourself in just full-blown sin, and you begin to rationalize. I want something. I, I deserve something. I, I can handle something. That's where Samson finds himself. I want you to understand this one big idea behind what we're talking about today. Samson allows himself into, into deception. The same way you and I don't just wind up in the valley of deception, we willfully walk into it. God doesn't lead us there. We get there on our own. James in the New Testament says, don't ever say that we're tempted by God or even that it's the devil. No, you are led away by your own sinful desires, your own lusts. 
I want it. And then you begin to rationalize it. I need it. I deserve it. I should have it. And when it's full-blown, that sin gives birth to death. Don't blame it on God. Don't even blame it on the devil. This is you and your own sin nature. This is exactly what happens with Samson. Judges chapter 14, starting in verse number 1, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. And when he returned, he said to his father and his mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and his mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? We'll come back to that in a minute. But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she's the right one for me. And his parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. I'm going to come back to verse 4 again. Verse number 5, And so Samson went down to Timnah, together with his father and his mother. They approached the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came up, roaring toward them. The Spirit of God powerfully came upon him, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Just another day, right? As he, as he might have with a young goat. But he told neither his mother nor his father what he had done. And when he went down and, walk, and, and, down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. And sometime later, he went back to marry her. And he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass and saw, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. And he scooped out the honey with his hands, and he ate it as he went along. And when he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. I'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 10. Now his father went down to see the woman. And there Samson held a feast that was customary for young men. And when the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. So I, I want to kind of give a little background on this just so that we're kind of on the same page. So we understand. So Samson is an Israelite, but he also is taking what's called a Nazarite vow. And so, which meant that inside of being a, a, an ethnic Jew, he is, he's a part of a, of, a, of a unique group of people that God has chosen, has set apart. Uh, and there were several things. They, they wouldn't touch anything that was dead or, un, or it would make them unclean. They, they were not to, um, they, they, they were not to, to, uh, um, to um, cut their hair. Uh, they weren't to drink any alcohol. They, they would not intermarry with any other nationality. Uh, it was a very puritanical, very, very focused. It was, they were set apart unto God to do a specific purpose. So in verse 4, when, when that parenthetical thought is coming up, and we, we kind of get an insight, the, the, the author is kind of giving us an insight about what's happening. His parents don't know, but God knows. He doesn't even know that ultimately God's will is going to be performed. Samson was raised up at this particular time in order to overthrow the Philistines so that the Israelites might have freedom. And this is just a good thought. God's will is always going to be done. If you crash and burn in sin, he's still going to have his will done. If he chooses to use you, even in your own deception, he will allow that to be capitalized upon in order for his will to be done. So God's always at work. Even what the enemy tries to use for, to harm us and to destroy us, God can turn around and use for our own good. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all going to be roses for us. What that does mean, though, is that God's will is going to be done. So verse 4 says, look, even though his mom and dad don't understand, even though Samson doesn't get it, God has risen him up for this occasion, and he ultimately will destroy the Philistines and lead that. 
Although God, what God wanted to do was him to walk in purity and in righteousness before him and keep this Nazarite vow and raise him up to be this great warrior that in essence would lead the armies of Israel and would destroy them. God wanted to use it to bless Samson. What Samson used it for was he allowed his talent to take him where his character couldn't keep him. And that happens a lot of times. Our talent, our ability, our gift set will take us where our character cannot keep us. And we don't develop the character. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves in a, in a situation like Samson. And, and Samson's weakness was, was, well, he was very entitled. But, but, but he found himself deceiving himself constantly. It wasn't that it was women because he also got involved with wine. He also got involved with, we see, eating the, 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 the honey from the carcass of the lion. What's wrong with that? Because according to the Nazarite vow, he could not do that. And the honey would have been considered unclean and contaminated. Thus, he violated the will of God. Thus, he violates his own sin code between him and the Lord. He doesn't tell his parents because his parents would have said, just like your mother would say, you know what you're doing. You shouldn't be doing that. Blah, 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 blah. It's interesting that he doesn't just take it himself, but he gives it to them. Why? Because every time we find ourselves in deception, and every time we find ourselves in sin, we don't want to just ourselves be in it. We want to bring somebody else in it. And most of the time, we bring other people in it unknowingly to them. I'm telling you, I'm preaching way better than you're shouting. If we had a black choir in Hammond v. Oregon, we'd have some church up in here. So I'm just so, so this is what's going on. So then you also have this is issue with Israel as a nation being basically bullied and overtaken uh, by the Philistines. And, and, and Samson was God's solution for that. And again, God's will is going to be done. It's just not going to happen quite the way that God wanted it to be because Samson's going to allow himself to be deceived. His deception is, is that he, he, he saw this woman that he wanted. His parents, the authority figures in his life, even challenge him. Let me say this. There are times as we're walking along, and, and, and again, Samson is set apart. Uh, he is known at this point in time. He has power. He has influence. But the authority figures in his life begin to say, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is what you should be doing? They're challenging his thought. They're not trying to challenge his motives, but they're challenging his decision-making. And they're not doing it in order to hurt him. They're doing it in order to help him. And that happens a lot of times. As you find yourself in the valley, going towards the valley of deception, you allow yourself uh, not to be challenged by anybody. Not to be, it's like the emperor has no clothes. I, no one can tell me anything. No one can say anything. This is who I am, and this is where I'm at. And, and, and there, there, there's no amount of humility Listen, if there's no one that you're answering to, if there's no one that you're submitted unto, great, you're a person of authority. But the problem is, is you're not a person under authority. Jesus says the greatest faith he ever saw was the centurion, who was not a Jew. He was, a, he was an Italian. He was a part of the Italian regiment of Rome. He was a centurion soldier. If you have an American Express card, that, the centurion card, that's the logo of the Roman soldier. And so it's the epitome of the modern man. So this is not somebody who has, has done all the sacerdotal duties and, 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 and he's ceremonially clean and he's part of the tribe of Levi or, or, or has some type of connection to the nation of Israel. No, he's simply doing what his master asked him to do. And Jesus has no greater faith have I ever seen than, than this because this man, this centurion, we don't know his name, this centurion, this Roman soldier, he gets it. He's a man of authority and under authority. And one way to keep yourself out of the valley of deception is the authority that God's put into your life. Submit yourself to them. Submit yourself unto that. 
If you read any amount of history, there's always tension. There's always contention that happens. Church history is the same. You read the book of Acts, you'll see a lot of disagreements that are going on. But ultimately, God's will gets done, and people are preserved because there is a submission unto authority. People of authority, under authority. Samson was a man of authority, but he wasn't a man under authority. His parents tried to, tried to talk some sense into him, but he kept pushing away. Why? Because he was deceiving himself. He was walking directly into the valley of deception. And there's three glaring attitudes, three glaring warning signs that are right here in this passage that I want to make, pull out. And then we're going to land the plane. The first is lust. Lust. It's the attitude of I want it. It's the attitude of I want it. Lust is, is to have a desire for anything that's wrong or evil or, or not, not helpful. Verses 1 and 2, we just see very, very straightforward. He, he minces no words when he says, I want to marry this Philistine woman. Bring her to me. That's who I want. There's not really any regard for her. There's no regard for his parents. There's no, re there's no regard for his people. There's no regard for his Nazarite vow. It's I want it. And the first warning light that goes on on the dashboard of your life, that when you find yourself kind of going towards the valley of deception, is I want it. I want it. I want it. I, I want to eat this. I, I want to buy this. I, I want that person. I, I want this. I, I want this. It, it's this, if you're not careful, it's this monster of more. It's this, 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 this need for more. It's, it's a lack of, of ability to be able to restrain yourself and to have self-control, which is a gift, not a gift. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so it's just, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. For me, I wanted that truck. For me, I wanted to get out of that car. For me, I was tired of driving in an unair conditioned vehicle in the summertime in the South, to be really honest with you. I wanted something different. I got this car because, quite frankly, it was my wife's car, and it was an older car, and we knew what was best is for me to keep that car, drive it day in and day out, and put her in the nicer vehicle and the newer vehicle, and we'd have one, one car payment, and, and, then, and, then we would, and then once we got that done, then we would get me a vehicle. But I didn't want to wait for that because I wanted. I wanted. I wanted that black truck. I wanted those four-wheel tires. I wanted to play my country music loud and proud. I wanted that. And so I made my case for that. I, I made my case for this is what I want. This is the whole deal. Was it sinful? No. Was it stupid? Yes. Stupid sometimes can hurt just as much as sinful. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? God can fix a lot of things, but he can't fix stupid. Okay. So, so that, that, that's, that's, that's where it begins. Then it elevates to this next level of entitlement. I, I deserve it. I, I deserve this. Not only do I want it, I, I deserve it. I'm entitled to this. You, you look at verses 8 and verses 9, after his parents are trying to talk some sense in him, after the authorities in his life, the, the authority figure that God's given is trying to communicate, he has this attitude of, no, I, I, I deserve it. I've worked hard. I, I've, I, I've accomplished this. Other people around me are doing this. Isn't it funny how we go right back to like schoolyard conversations? Everybody else is doing it. Um, I, I want this. I deserve this. Um, you know, it, this is funny to me because I'm a person that's always kind of wrestled with my weight as well. And how I reward myself for weight loss is by going out to eat. It's, I know it's really sick, but it's what I do. And, uh, and there are times, man, there is, I was thinking of working on this message. There's a, there's a place, the Atlanta airport, uh, Concourse A, right there, there's Chick-fil-A. Uh, but right there on the corner, there's a place called Piece of Cake. And it's, if you've been there, if you haven't, 
I'm just telling you, that will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so there is, the cake is like eight bucks a slice, just hold on. But, oh, wow, it's about that big. It's really tall. And the strawberry is the best. It's, it's strawberry cake like my grandmother used to make. And one night I'm flying through Atlanta, which I think you got to go through Atlanta to get to heaven. I really think that's kind of how it's going to happen. <laughs> And I'm going through Atlanta, and I'm, I'm tired, and I'm just I'm worn out. And you've just, you've been, you know, it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And, and, and I'm just going through, and I see this place, and I was like, what is this piece of cake, okay? And little did I know it was one of Oprah's favorite things. And so, which has got to be good, right? So anyhow, so I go over there, and I'm like, strawberry. I love strawberry. I'm just going to take this. Hey bucks for a slice of cake. Okay, I'll have one. And um, so I got that, got a cup of coffee and that kind of a deal. And I'm not telling you, like the icing, Monticelli, you love this, the icing, man. It's so thick and it's that good. It's got that granulated sugar. You know what I'm talking about? There's all the gluten you can get in it. It's just sticky and moist. And Oh, sweet Jesus. It's just good. Big chunks of strawberries. I mean, just it's all, and, and your teeth hurt because the sugar's so strong. You keep eating it, because that's what a good soldier does, amen? <laughs> and I mean, I'm telling you, like, so I can rationalize an $8 slice of cake. I don't care if I have just consumed 5,000 calories. I'm like, you know, today I've been a little more active than yesterday, and maybe I need a little energy and that kind of a deal. If it's been rough, this is a way to kind of just soothe the soul, you know, a little bit. Don't talk to me about gluttony. I just want to eat this piece of cake. I deserve it. I've been working hard. I'm traveling. I'm tired. I'm whatever. These people are just pulling me in this way and that way. And I, whatever it is, I, what I'm trying to say is, is that when we walk into the Valley of Deception, and that is a Valley of Deception, it's that, <laughs> that it's a, it, it means it's a slippery slope. And so it goes to a piece of cake to like, I'm, I'm wanting the whole thing. I, I did call one time to say, I like to get a, I like to do this because uh, I brought. I used to try to bring it home to Tammy, but it never made it home. Is that, you know what I'm talking about? So finally one did, and she like really liked it. It's like, I'll do this for her birthday. It was $181 to get that cake shipped. And I'm telling you, I really thought about it. But then I thought, no, she'll kill me if she knows what it is. But anyhow, but like my grandmother's gone. God rest her soul. I'd have her make one. But like, I, I can't get a strawberry cake like that. If you do strawberry cake, I would be happy to try your strawberry cake. I'm not saying it's going to be at that level, but I would try it, Okay. Good, okay. So anyhow, my wife's laughing because I'm just, that's a selfless plea right there for more cake. So, but I'm saying you get to this place where you go, I deserve it. And you talk yourself into why you should get it, why you should have it, why you should have the car, why you should buy the new dress, why you should get the golf membership, why you need a new bass boat, why you need a place down in Florida, why you need a new house, why you need a new addition, why you need a new car, why, why you know, you talk yourself into all kinds of things. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're sinful, but they might be stupid. They might be completely, you're driving yourself into debt deeper and deeper and deeper, or you're digging yourself a hole deeper and deeper, and what you don't realize is that you are convincing yourself, I need this new truck. I want this new truck. I am entitled. I deserve this. That's what he's doing. I deserve this woman. I deserve to be happy, mom and dad. I deserve to do what I want to do. I deserve it. That becomes his language. And the last statement is in verse 10. It's just, it's straight out pride. He says, I can handle it. I got it. I got this. I got this. This is that ride of pride. Pride can be blinding. 
I can handle it. I, I, I can handle this marrying outside of, of my faith. I, I can handle this, this person that I'm not. I can handle this. I can do this. Is God's will going to be done? Yeah, not because of Samson, but because he's God. Is God's will going to be done in your life? Yep, not because of you, but because of God. Is God's will going to be done in the next generation? Yeah, not because of you, but because of God. But you find yourself on this ride of pride and say, man, I can handle it. I, I, I can handle it. I, I've got this. Until you don't. I used to play golf with Kevin Miller. Ryan and I would play with Kevin. And Kevin would always, he could talk, he could Kevin could sell ISO Eskimo. And Kevin Miller would get up on a putt or a drive. He said, I got this. I got, I'm feeling this. I got this. And I used to believe him. And now I don't believe anything he says. And he would address the ball or go to the putt and completely miss it. He goes, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> you moron. I mean, like, really? Like, just, you know, we don't have a shot now. We're playing this scramble. And, and I mean, like, I can handle it. How many times do you say, I can handle this? I got this. How many times do your teenage kids say that to you? Mom, Dad, get off my back. I got this. I deserve this. I can handle this. How many times do we do that to God? How many times do we give God the Heisman and we go from, I want this, it's lust, to I deserve this, I've worked hard, to I can handle this. In essence, kind of keep your nose in your own business, God. And Samson, if you read the rest of the story, finds himself losing everything because of these three attitudes. They gouge out his eyes. He's blinded. His strength is gone. They shaved his head, which was the source, which was the key to the source of his strength. His strength came from the Lord, but there was a physical action that was connected to a spiritual reality which is true in all of our lives. And when the physical reaction, which is cutting his hair, connected to the spiritual reality, fully came, when sin was fully developed, it brought forth death and his strength was gone. And the Bible says, the very last day of his life, his hair had begun to grow and so the strength of God was coming back. But he was enchained and imprisoned, blinded, the laughing stock of the people that oppressed his nation. And he asked God, Lord, if you will come upon me one more time, I'll do what you've called me to do. I will push and break down the foundations of this building, the pillars that hold it up, and these people will be destroyed. And God, going back to verse 4, is going to have his will, but it destroyed him in the process. That's the danger about the Valley of Deception, is that there's destruction that's connected to it. And to the degree of the deception is directly related to the degree of destruction. See, because I went and I bought that truck, and I was so proud of that truck, so happy about that truck, and excited about that truck, I drove that truck, and remember one of the main reasons why I wanted that truck was because it had air conditioning. And I'm driving down the road one day, and all of a sudden the AC goes out. 
So the compressor shot. I didn't buy a new truck. I learned later. I, I bought a used truck. And then I'm, I'm on my way. We're, wor- we're working fireworks in the summertime in Oklahoma, and, and we would sell about a quarter million dollars in fireworks, and no joke, and, and we would raise money for missions, and that's what we would do. And, and I was on my way to one of the fireworks uh, tents, and I was driving along. I'll never forget where I was, and all of a sudden, it's just all the power went out. Everything just stopped, and here I am on this four-lane road, and the transmission, just everything just shut down. Had to pay to have it towed. So I find out I got a compressor that's out because the air conditioning, I've got a transmission that shot. Now I'm paying about, I'm paying thousands of dollars and I'm sitting on the side of the road and in that moment I hear Tammy's voice. <laughs> like the voice of God. Really think you need this? Really don't think you should wait? You really think this is a good idea? She was trying to help me. But man, I was so blinded by what I wanted. I wanted that truck, that four-wheel drive, those big tires, that hum. I wanted that 10 miles to a gallon, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I, I had worked hard and, and we were debt-free and I, I, I deserve this. This is kind of a reward. So let's get into more debt. Let's spend more money because we just got out of it. Doesn't make any sense, but it's stupid, but it's reality. I can handle this. Every time, even to this day, if I'm in Tulsa and I drive down that road, I, I remember that, and it's like a sick pit in my stomach, just kind of like, Ugh. But I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson, man. It's so easy to deceive yourself. And again, was it sinful what I did? No, it was just stupid. Did God send somebody to give me money for my truck? No, I had to pay for it myself. I got myself there. It's kind of funny how God makes you get yourself out of it. But I learned a lesson. Be careful of the valley of deception. And maybe you're here today, and maybe it's something as simple as a purchase, big or small. Maybe it's way more serious that it's a sin issue. I should be happy. I've been married, and I'm not happy in this marriage, and therefore I should be able to be happy. I want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. I can handle. And you find yourself in an affair. I don't know where you are on the continuum. I'm not your judge. I just want to remind all of us, though, that we, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in these valleys of deception. And when we find ourselves there, it's not because God led us. It's because our own sinful nature, full-blown, rationalized it, and we find ourselves there. What do you do in those moments? You do exactly what Samson does. God, I know I blew it, but if you'll help me, I know there's a price to pay to get from here to there, but if you'll help me, I know it's not easy, But if you'll help me, I'll do what you've called me to do. Doing that may cost you everything. If it's a big, hairy, audacious sin issue. Or it may just cost you a few thousand dollars if you were stupid like me. But it's one of those things 
that if we're not careful, we find ourselves over and over and over. I want it, lust. I deserve it, entitlement. I can handle it, pride. They all lead to one place, the valley of deception.